Welcome to the Revolution and Ideology podcast. I'm Jared. I'm Nick. And today we are going to be talking about The Little Black Fish. So The Little Black Fish was a story uh, written by a, an Iranian author of, of Azerbaijani, uh, Azer, Azerbaijani descent, Azeri descent, um, in the, uh, during the uh, rule of the Shah in Iran. And it's basically a story of liberation. It's a story that's meant to be like taught to kids and stuff to get them to think freely. Um, but it's a story that both Nick and myself really enjoy. And we teach it in class, not only when we talk about the Iranian revolution specifically or the Iranian revolutionary process against like the Shah and U.S. occupation and so on and so forth. But we use it um, kind of beyond that to just talk about liberation in general and like that spirit of challenging systems of power, authority, and systems of knowledge, which is one of the most important things that I think Barangi was after. Real quickly, I, I don't have time to do a, a long bio of Barangi, but we need to understand that he was a teacher. Um, um, uh, from Tabriz in Iran, and uh, and most importantly, he became an activist over time. He actually lost his job as a teacher, uh, and then after uh, growing uh, in popularity, he mysteriously drowned in the Aras River at the age of 29. Now, um, to this day, uh, sources tend to, there's, there's some contention that uh, he drowned accidentally, but most of the time, um, I think, People are of the belief that he was actually killed by the Shah's um, quote unquote secret. They weren't really that secret. Secret police force, the CIA trained Savak. Um, I lean towards that, um, just kind of knowing how the Shah, the CIA, and Savak worked um, and challenging of their authority, uh, specifically during the 1960s, was uh, a big no no. And so I believe he was actually murdered. But we'll continue on with this story. Okay. So I'm just going to read it, then we're going to provide some brief analysis of the story. It was the longest night of winter. At the bottom of the sea, an old fish gathered together uh, 12,000 of her children and grandchildren and began to tell them this story. Once upon a time, a little black fish lived with her mother in a small pond on the side of a mountain. Their home was behind a black, moss-covered rock, under which they both slept at night. The little fish longed to see the moonlight in their home just once. From morning till evening, the mother and child swam after each other. Sometimes they joined other fish and rapidly darted in and out of small crevices. The little fish was an only child, for of the ten thousand eggs which the mother had laid, only she had survived. For several days, the little fish had been deep in thought and had talked very little. She swam slowly behind her mother around the pond and did not play with the other fish. Her mother thought her child was sick and would soon be well. In fact, the blackfish's sickness was really something else. Early one morning, before the sun had risen, the little black fish woke her mother and said, Mother, I want to talk to you. Half asleep, the mother responded, Child, this isn't the time to talk. Save your words for later. Wouldn't it be better to go swimming? No, mother, I can't go swimming anymore. I must, leave, I, must, I must leave here. Do you really have to leave? Yes, mother, I must go. Just a minute. Where do you want to go at this hour of the morning? I want to go see where the stream ends. You know, mother, I've been wondering where the end of the stream is. I haven't been able to think about anything else. I didn't sleep a wink all night. At last, I decided to go and find where the stream ends. I want to know what's happening in other places. The mother laughed. When I was a child, I used to think a lot like that. But my dear, a stream has no beginning and no end. That's the way it is. The stream just flows and never goes anywhere. But mother dear, isn't it true that everything comes to an end? Nights end, days end, weeks, months, years? Forget this pretentious talk, interrupted the mother. Let's go swimming. Now's the time to swim, not talk. 
No, mother. I'm tired of this swimming. I want to set out and see what's happening elsewhere. Maybe you think someone taught me these ideas, but believe me, I've had these thoughts for a long time. Of course I've learned many things here and there. For instance, I know that when uh, most fish get old, they complain about everything. I want to know if life is simply for circling around in a small place until you become old and nothing else. Or is there another way to live in this world? When the little fish finished, the mother exclaimed, My dear child, are you crazy? World, world, what is this other world? The world is right here, where we are. Life is just as we have it. Just then, a large fish approached their home and said, Neighbor, what are you arguing about with your child? Aren't you planning to go swimming today? Hearing her neighbor's voice, the mother came out of the house and said, What's the world coming to? Now children even want to teach their mother something? How so? asked the neighbor. Listen to the places this half-pint wants to go, replied the mother, saying over and over again, I want to see, I want to see what's happening in the world. What pretentious talk. Little one, said the neighbor, let's see, since when have you become a scholar and philosopher and not told us? Madame answered the little fish, I don't know what you mean by scholar and philosopher. I've just gotten tired of these swims. I don't want to continue this boring stuff and be happy as a fool until one day I wake up and see the light that, like all of you, I've become old, but still I'm as dumb as I am now. Oh, what talk, exclaimed the neighbor. I've never thought my only child would turn out this way, said the mother. I don't know what evil person put my sweet baby up to this. No one put me up to anything, said the little little fish. I have reason and intelligence and understanding. I have eyes and I can see. Sister, said the neighbor to the little fish's mother, do you remember that twisted up snail? Yes, you're right, said the mother. He used to push himself on my baby. God knows what I would do to him. That's enough, mother, said the little fish. He was my friend. Friendship between a fish and a snail, said the mother. I've never heard of such a thing. And I've never heard of a fish and a snail being enemies, replied the little fish. But you all drown that little poor fellow. Let's not bring up the past, said the neighbor. You brought up the subject yourself, said the little fish. It served him right to be killed, said the mother. Have you forgotten the things he used to say everywhere he went? Then, said the little fish, kill me too, since I'm saying the very same things. To make a long story short, the arguing voices attracted the other fish. The little fish's words angered everyone. One of the old fish asked, Did you think we'd pity you? That one just needs a little box on the ear, said another. Go away, said the blackfish's mother. Don't you touch my child. Another of them said, Madame, if you don't raise your child correctly, you must expect it to be punished. The neighbor said, I'm ashamed to live next to you. Another said, Let's do the little fish. Let's do to the little fish what we did to the old snail before it gets into trouble. When they tried to grab the little black fish, her friends gathered around and took the fish away from the brawl. The black fish's mother beat her head and chest and cried, Oh, my baby is leaving me. What am I going to do? What a curse has fallen upon me. Mother, don't cry for me. Cry for the old fish who stay behind. Don't get smart, half-pint, shouted one of the other fish from afar. If you go away and afterwards regret it, we won't let you come back, said a second. These are useful fancies. Don't go, said a third. What's wrong with this place, said a fourth. There's no other world. The world's right here. Come back, said a fifth. If you, turn re- if you turn reasonable and come back, then we'll believe you really are an intelligent fish, said a sixth. Wait, we've gotten used to having you around, said a seventh. The mother cried, have mercy on me. Don't go, don't go. The little black fish didn't have anything more to say to them. Several friends of the same age accompanied the fish as far as the waterfall. As they parted, the fish said, my friends, I hope to see you again. Don't forget me. How would it be possible to forget you, asked the friends. You've awakened us from a deep sleep. You've taught us many things that we had not seen, that we had not even thought about before. We hope to see you again, learned and fearless friend. The little fish swam down the waterfall and fell into a pond full of water. At first, the fish lost its balance, but after a while, began to swim and circled around the pond. The fish had never seen so much water collected in one place. 
Thousands of tadpoles were wiggling in the water. They laughed when they saw the little black fish. What a funny shape. What kind of creature are you? The fish looked them over thoroughly and said, Please don't insult me. My name is Little Black Fish. Tell me your name so we can get acquainted. We call one another tadpole, replied one of the tadpoles. We come from nobility, said another. You can't find another prettier than us in the whole world, said another. We aren't shapeless and ugly-faced like you, said another one. The fish said, I never imagined you would be so conceited. That's all right. I'll forgive you since you're speaking out of ignorance. In one, of the, in one voice, the tadpoles demanded, are you saying we're stupid? If you weren't ignorant, replied the fish, you would know that there are many others in the world who are pleased with their appearances. You don't have the names of your own. The tadpole became very angry. But since they knew the little fish spoke truthfully, they changed their tone and said, Really? You're wasting words. We swim around the world every day from morning till evening, but except for ourselves and our father and mother, we see no one. Of course, there are tiny worms, but they don't count. You can't even leave the pond, said the fish. How can you talk about traveling around the world? What? You think there's another world outside the pool? exclaimed the tadpoles. At least, responded the fish, you must wonder where this water comes from and what things are outside of it. Outside the water, exclaimed the tadpoles. Where is that? We've never seen outside the water. You're crazy. Little black fish also started to laugh. The fish thought it would be better to leave the tadpoles to themselves and go away, but then changed its mind and decided to speak to their mother. Where's your mother? asked the fish. Suddenly, the deep voice of a frog made the fish jump. The frog was sitting on a rock on the edge of the pond. She jumped into the water and came to the fish and said, I'm right here. What do you want? Hello, great lady, said the fish. The frog responded, Worthless creature, now is not the time to show off. You've found some children to listen to you and are take talking pretentiously. I've lived long enough to know that the world is this pond. Mind your own business and don't lead my children astray. If you lived a hundred years, said the little fish, you'd still be nothing more than an ignorant and helpless frog. The frog got angry and jumped at little black fish. The fish flipped quickly and fled like lightning, stirring up sediment and worms at the bottom of the pond. The valley twisted and curved. The stream became deeper and wider, but if you looked down at the valley from the top of the mountains, the stream would seem like a white thread. In one place, a piece of rock had broken off from the mountain, fallen to the bottom of the valley, and split the water into two branches. A large lizard the size of a hand lay on her stomach on the rock. She was enjoying the sun's warmth and watching a large round crab resting on the sand at the bottom of the water in a shallow place and eating a frog he had snared. The little fish suddenly saw the crab becoming frightened and greeted him from afar. The crab glanced sideways at the fish and said, What a polite fish. Come closer, little one. Come on. I'm off to see the world, said the little black fish, and I've never wanted to be caught by you, sir. Little fish, why are you so pessimistic and scared, asked the crab. I'm neither pessimistic nor afraid, answered the fish. I speak about everything I see and understand. Well then, said the crab, please tell me what you've seen and understood that makes you think I want to capture you. Don't try to trick me, responded the fish. Are you referring to the frog, queried the crab? How childish you are. I have a grudge against frogs. That's the reason I hunt them. Do you know that they think they're the only creatures in the world and that they're very lucky? I want to make them understand who is really master in the world. So you don't have to be afraid, my dear. Come here. Come here. As the crab talked, he was walking backwards towards the little fish. His gait was so funny that the fish couldn't help laughing and said, Poor thing, you don't even know how to walk. How did you ever learn? How did you ever learn who runs the world? The blackfish drew, drew back from the crab. A shadow fell upon the water, and suddenly a heavy blow pushed the crab into the sand. The lizard laughed so hard at the crab's expression that she slipped and almost fell into the water. The crab couldn't get up. The little fish saw that a young shepherd was standing at the edge of the water, watching the, the fish and the crab. A flock of sheep and goats came up to the water and thrust their mouths in. The valley filled with the sounds of meh, meh, and bah, bah. The little blackfish waited until the sheep and goats had drunk their water and left. Then, then called the lizard. Dear lizard, I'm a little blackfish who's going to search for the end of the stream. I think you're wise, so I'd like to ask you something. Ask anything you want. 
All along the way, they've been frightening me a great deal about the pelican, the swordfish, the heron. Do you know anything about them? The swordfish and the heron, said the lizard, aren't found in this area, especially the swordfish who lives in the sea. But it's possible that the pelican is farther down. Be careful he doesn't trick you and catch you in his pouch. What pouch? Under his throat, explained the lizard. The pelican has a pouch which holds a lot of water. When the pelican's swimming, fish, without realizing it, sometimes enter his pouch and then go straight into his stomach. But if the pelican isn't hungry, he stores the fish in his pouch to eat later. If a fish enters the pouch, is there any way of getting out, asked the fish? There's no way unless the fish rips open the pouch, answered the lizard. I'm going to give you a dagger so you can get caught by the pel- So if you do get caught by the pelican, you can do just that. And the lizard crawled back into a crack in the rock and returned with a very sharp dagger. The little fish took the dagger and said, Dear lizard, you're so kind. I don't know how to thank you. It's not necessary to thank me, my dear. I have many of these daggers. When I have nothing to do, I sit down and make daggers from blades of grass and give them to smart fish like you. What? asked the fish. Have other fish passed before me? Many have passed by, said the lizard. They form themselves into a school and they give the fishermen a hard time. Excuse me for talking so much, said the blackfish, but if you don't mind, if, but if you don't think me meddlesome, tell me how they give the fishermen a hard time. Well, answered the lizard, they stick together. Whenever the fisherman throws his net, they get inside, pull the net with them, and drag it to the bottom of the sea. The lizard placed her ear on the crack, listened, and said, I must excuse myself now. My children have awakened. The lizard went into the crack in the rock. The blackfish had no choice but to set out again. But all the while, there were many questions on the fish's mind. Is it true that the stream flows to the sea? If only the pelican doesn't catch me. Is it true the swordfish enjoys killing and eating its own kind? Why is the heron our enemy? The little fish continued swimming and thinking, and every stretch of the way the fish saw and learned new things. How the fish liked turning somersaults, tumbling down waterfalls, and swimming again, the fish felt the warmth of the sun and grew strong. At one place a deer was hastily drinking some water. The little fish greeted her. Pretty deer, why are you in such a hurry? The hunter's following me, replied the deer. I've been hit by a bullet right here. Little fish didn't see the bullet hole, but from the deer's limping gait, knew she was telling the truth. At one place, turtles were napping in the sun's warmth. At another place, the boisterous noise of the partridges twisted through the valley. The fragrance of mountains gra- the mountain grass floated through the air and mixed with the water. In the afternoon, the fish reached a spot where the valley widened and the water passed through the center of a grove of grove trees. There was so much water that the little black fish had a very good time. Later on, the fish came upon a school of fish. The little fish had not seen any other fish since leaving home. Several tiny fish surrounded the little blackfish and said, You must be a stranger here. Yes, responded the blackfish, I'm a stranger. I've come from far away. Where do you want to go? asked the tiny fish. I'm going to find the end of the stream, replied the blackfish. Which stream? This very stream we're swimming in, answered the blackfish. We call this a river, started the ti- stated the tiny fish. The blackfish didn't say anything. Don't you know that the pelican lives along the way, inquired one of the tiny fish. Yes, I know answered the blackfish. Do you know what a big wide open pouch the pelican has? asked another. I know that too, replied the blackfish. In spite of all this, you still want to go? exclaimed the tiny fish. Yes, said the blackfish. Whatever happens, I must go. Soon a rumor spread among all the fish that a little blackfish had come from far away and wanted to find the end of the river, and the fish wasn't even afraid of the pelican. Several tiny fish were tempted to go with the blackfish, but didn't because they were afraid of the grown-ups, others said. If there wasn't a pelican, we'd come with you. We're afraid of the pelican's pouch. The village was on the edge of the river. Village women and girls were washing dishes and clothes in the river. The little fish listened to their clatter for a little while and watched the children bathing and then set off. The fish went on and on and on, still farther on until night fell, then lay down under a rock to sleep. The fish woke in the middle of the night and then saw the moon shining in the water, lighting up everything. The little fish liked the moon very much. One night, when the moon shone into the water, the little fish longed to creep out from under the moss and speak with her. But mother would always wake up, pull the fish under the moss, and make it go to sleep again. 
The little fish looked up at the moon and said, Hello, my lovely moon. Hello, little black fish. What brings you here? I'm traveling around the world. The world's very big, said the moon. You can't travel everywhere. That's okay, said the fish. I'll go everywhere that I can. I'd like to stay with you till morning, said the moon, but a big black cloud is coming towards me to block out my light. Beautiful moon, I like your light so much, I wish you'd always shine on me. My dear fish, the truth is I don't have any light of my own. My sun gives me light and I reflect it to the earth. Tell me, have you heard that humans want to fly up and land on me in a few years? That's impossible, exclaimed the fish. It's a difficult task, said the moon, but whatever they want, humans can... The moon couldn't finish her sentence. The dark cloud approached and covered her face. That night became dark again, and the black fish was alone. The fish looked up at the darkness in surprise and amazement for several seconds, and then crept under a rock and fell asleep. The fish woke up early in the morning and saw overhead several tiny fish chattering. When they saw that the black fish was awake, they said in one voice, Good morning. The black fish recognized them right away and said, Good morning. You followed me after all. Yes, answered one of the tiny fish, but we're afraid. The thought of the pelican just won't go away, said another. You worry too much, said the blackfish. One shouldn't worry all the time. Let's start out, let's start out, and our fears will vanish completely. But as they were about to set out, they felt the water all around them rise up, and a lid was placed over them. It was dark everywhere, and there was no way to escape. The blackfish immediately realized that they had been caught in a pelican's pouch. My friend, said the little blackfish, we've been caught in the pelican's pouch, but there's a chance to escape. All the tiny fish began to cry. One of them said, there's no way to escape. It's your fault since you influenced and led us, ast and led us astray. Now he's going to swallow us all and we'll die, said another. Suddenly, the sound of frightening laughter twisted through the water. It was the pelican. He kept on laughing and said, what tiny fish I've caught. <laughs> Truly, my heart bleeds for you. I don't want to swallow you. The tiny fish began pleading, your excellency, your excellency, Mr. Pelican, we've been hearing about you for a long time. If you'd be so kind as to open your distinguished beak a little so that we might go out, we'll always be grateful to you. I don't want to swallow you right now, said the pelican. I have some fish stored. Look below. Several large and tiny fish were scattered on the bottom of the pouch. Your excellency, Mr. Pelican, cried the tiny fish. We have done nothing. We're innocent. This little black fish led us astray. Cowards, exclaimed the little black fish. Are you crying like this because you think this dishonest bird is merciful? You don't know what you're saying, said the tiny fish. Just wait and see. His excellency, Mr. Pelican, will pardon us and swallow you. Of course I'll pardon you, said the pelican, but on one condition. Your condition, please, sir, begged the tiny fish. "'Strangle that meddlesome fish, and then you'll get your freedom.' The little blackfish moved aside and said to the tiny fish, "'Don't agree the deceitful bird wants to turn, again, turn us against each other. I have a plan.' But the tiny fish were so intent on saving themselves that they couldn't think of anything else. They advanced towards the little blackfish, who was sitting near the back of the pouch, and talked slowly. "'Cowards, whatever happened, you've been caught and don't have a way to escape, and you're not strong enough to hurt me. We must strangle you,' said the tiny fish. "'We want freedom.' You've lost your senses, said the little blackfish. Even if you strangle me, you won't escape. Don't fall for his tricks. You're talking just like this to save yourself, said the tiny fish. Otherwise, you wouldn't think of us at all. Just listen, said the little blackfish, and I'll explain. I'll pretend I'm dead. Then we'll see whether or not the pelican will free you. If you don't agree to this, I'll kill all of you with this dagger or rip open the pouch and escape while you... Enough, interrupted one of the fish. I can't stand this talk. Why did you ever bring along this cry, baby, demanded the blackfish upon seeing him cry. And then the fish took out the dagger and held it in front of the tiny fish. Helpless, they agreed to the little fish's suggestion. They pretended to be fighting each other. The little blackfish pretended to be dead. The others went forward and said, Your Excellency, Mr. Pelican, we strangled the meddlesome blackfish. Good work, laughed the pelican. Now, as a reward, I'm going to swallow all of you alive so that you can have a nice stroll in my stomach. The tiny fish never had a chance. Quick as lightning, they passed through the pelican's throat and were gone. But at the very last instant, the blackfish drew the dagger, split open the wall of the pouch, and one blow 
with one blow and fled. The pelican cried out in pain and smashed his head on the water, but he couldn't follow after the little blackfish. The blackfish went on and on, still farther until it was noon. The river had passed through the mountains and valleys, and now was flowing across a level plain. Several other small rivers had joined in from the right and the left, increasing its water greatly. The blackfish was enjoying the immensity of the water. Soon the fish realized the water had no bottom. The fish swam this way and that way, and didn't touch anywhere. There was so much water that the little fish got lost in it. No matter how far the fish swam, still the water was endless. Suddenly the fish noticed a large long creature charging forward like lightning. There was a two-edged sword in front of its mouth. The little fish thought, it's the swordfish. He's going to cut me to pieces this very instant. Quickly, the fish jumped out of the way and swam to the surface. After a while, the fish went under the water again to look for the bottom. On the way, the fish met a school of five thousands of, or of thousands and thousands of fish. Friend, said the fish to one of them, I'm a stranger. I've come from, away, uh, from far away. What is this place? The fish called his friends and said, Look, another, and then replied to the blackfish, Friend, welcome to the sea. Another said, All rivers and streams flow here, except some which flow into swamps. You can join our group anytime you wish, said one of the fish. The little black fish was happy to have reached the sea and said, I'd like to travel around first, then I'll come join your group. I'd like to be with you the next time you pull down the fisherman's net. You'll get your wish soon, answered one of the fish. Now go explore. But if you swim to the surface, watch out for the heron, who isn't afraid of anyone these days. She doesn't need bothering. Uh, bother, she doesn't bother us uh, till she's caught four or five fish a day. The black fish then left the group of sea fish and began swimming. A little later, the fish came to the surface of the sea. A warm sun was shining. The little black fish enjoyed feeling the sun's bright rays on its back. Calm and happy, the fish was swimming on the surface of the sea and thinking, death could come upon me very easily now. But as long as I'm able to live, I shouldn't go out to meet death. Of course, if someday I should be forced to face death, as I shall, it doesn't matter. What does matter is the influence that my life or death will have on the lives of others. The little black fish wasn't able to pursue these thoughts. A heron dived down, swooped up the fish, and carried it off. Caught in the heron's long beak, the little fish kicked and waved but couldn't get free. The heron had grabbed the fish's waist so tightly that its life was ebbing away. After all, how long can a little fish stay alive out of water? If only the heron would swallow me this very instant, thought the fish, then the water and moisture inside her stomach would prevent my death, at least for a few minutes. The fish addressed the heron with this thought in mind. Why don't you swallow me alive? I'm one of those fish whose body becomes full of poison after death. The heron didn't reply. She thought, oh, a tricky one. What are you up to? You want to get me talking so you can escape. Dry land was visible in the distance. It got closer and closer. If we reach dry land, thought the, thought the fish, all is finished. I know you want to take me to your children, said the fish, but by the time we reach land, I'll be dead and, by my, by, and my body will become a sack full of poison. Why don't you have pity for your children? Precaution, precaution is also a virtue, thought the heron. I can eat you myself and catch other fish for my children, but let's see. Could this be a trick? <laughs> you can't do anything. As the heron thought, she noticed that the blackfish's body was, a limp, was limp and motionless. Does this mean you're dead, thought the heron? Now I can't even eat you. I've ruined such a soft and delicate fish for no reason at all. Hey, little one, she called to the blackfish. Are you still half alive so that I can eat you? But she didn't finish speaking because the moment she opened her beak, the blackfish jumped and fell down. The heron realized how badly she'd been tricked and dived after the little blackfish. The fish streaked through the air like lightning. The fish had lost its senses from thirst for seawater and thrust its dry mouth into the moist wind of the sea. But as soon as the fish splashed into the water and took a new breath, the heron caught up and this time swallowed the fish so fast that the fish didn't understand what had happened. The fish only sensed that everywhere was wet and dark. There was no way out. The sound of crying could be heard. When the fish's eyes had become accustomed to the dark, it saw a tiny fish crouched in a corner crying. He wanted his mother. The black fish approached and said, Little one, get up. Think about what we should do. What are you crying for? Why do you want your mother? 
you there, who are you, responded the tiny fish. Can't you see? I'm, I'm dying. Oh, me. Oh, oh mama. I, I, I can't come, come, come with you to pull the fisherman's net to the bottom of the sea. Ugh, ugh. Enough there, said the little fish. You'll disgrace all fish. After the tiny fish had controlled his crying, the little fish continued, I want to kill the heron and find peace of mind to all fish, but first I must send you outside so that you don't ruin everything. You're dying yourself, replied the tiny fish. How can you kill the heron? Little fish showed the dagger from right inside here. I'm going to rip open her stomach. Now listen to what I say. I'm going to start tossing back and forth in order to tickle the heron. As soon as she opens her mouth and begins to laugh, you jump out. Then what about you, asked the tiny fish. Don't worry about me. I'm not coming out until I've, kill, until I've killed this good for nothing. The black, the black fish stopped talking and began tossing back and forth and tickling the heron's stomach. The tiny fish was standing ready at the entrance of the heron's stomach. As soon as the heron opened her mouth and began to laugh, the tiny fish jumped out and fell into the water. But no matter how long he waited, there wasn't any sign of the black fish. Suddenly, he saw the heron twist and turn and cry out. And then she began to beat her wings and fell down. She splashed into the water. She beat her wings again, and then all movement stopped. But there was no sign of little black fish, and since that time, nothing has been heard. The old fish finished her tale and said to her, Twelve thousand children and grandchildren, now it's time to sleep, children. Go to bed. Grandmother, exclaimed the children and grandchildren, you didn't say what happened to that tiny fish. We'll leave that for tomorrow night, said the old fish. Now it's time for bed. Good night. Eleven thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine little fish said good night and went to sleep. The grandmother fell asleep too, but try as she might, a little red fish couldn't get to sleep. All night long, she thought about the sea. Such a good story. Oh, oh we're on. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're on the air? No. Um, okay. Yes, it is a good story. So, like, what are your thoughts, though? Like, if we're looking at this from the ideals, and again, we're, we'll probably not couch it in the history of the Iranian revolutionary process. We've already got an entire episode on that. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. We'll link it at the bottom. But if we just couch it in the idea of liberation in general, the idea of striving for something more, mm-hmm. um, whether uh, apparently we're a little black fish or a little red fish um, or, or humanity in general, which the moon almost commented on for mm-hmm. just a second. What are your thoughts? Like, what, yeah, what, I mean, what does the story good, teach us? I always think that it focuses on asking questions, right? That's constantly what the little black fish is doing is asking what's beyond, right? What is beyond whatever whoever he's talking to what they know and what their world is and like so on so what's beyond the stream what's beyond the river what's Mm -hmm. beyond like the the pond i guess when he's first talking to the tadpoles and then of course eventually he gets to the sea but here's the key like like along the way what do you think the fish is discovering and 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 when i say the fish is discovering the fish is clearly a metaphor Mm -hmm. what are we discovering by constant inquiry and exploration and exploration doesn't even have to be like like the geographic kind but other types of exploration i mean the fish discovers the way that all of the other animals think and view the world some of them want to go with him some of them don't some of them want to stop him and kill him right etc so i think it's an interesting it's interesting to think about the way that the story demonstrates that kind of the what you'll discover and the roadblocks that you will encounter through discovery. So you brought up roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the very first like roadblock that our little black fish uh, runs into uh, the metaphorical roadblock of his own species, his mother, um, the neighbors, the friends, the family that are basically saying like look, dude, like we already know everything there is to know by living in this super small part of like the stream. Mm-hmm. There's nothing beyond this stream. What is that representative of? Like, like you are like, please do not challenge our authority or our control over the production of knowledge in this specific yeah. case. Like, I mean, it represents closed mindedness of people that 
think they know everything and they've experienced the world and they right but they really only know a very small part of existence i would argue so very clear like nod to to perhaps like plato's allegory of the cave in the specific case right like they think Mm -hmm. they know everything but they're really just like ideologues that have been socialized by like the limitations of their own environment Mm -hmm. so and again for super brief context regarding this would be like the control over the production of knowledge of like the shah's regime at the time like when the story was written or we could argue like in in a modern sense this is like control through like the echo chambers of social media Mm -hmm. right so this is like the idea of ignorance and challenging that ignorance by even asking very simple questions that people can't answer. Like, and the answer is because I say so, right? We've talked about this before in other episodes. Even when a child asks a a, a parent like something and the parent just wants to like, uh, either is too lazy or just wants to uh, uh, justify their own authority. It's because I said so. Mm -hmm. It's because I said so. That's not an answer. It's because I said so. And we see that here with the little black fish. But what the lesson we're seeking, Barangi is trying to teach us here is don't take that. Mm-hmm. Don't accept that. Yeah, seek something beyond, right? So the next roadblock, he goes down the waterfall, our little black fish, she goes, he or she, I don't know if it, it I think it's she. She goes down the waterfall anyway, um, and ends up in a, uh, a pond, which never had seen, had never seen before, and uh, runs into tadpoles. What do you think these tadpoles represent? Like a bunch of tadpoles that are super, um, what is the word I'm looking for? arrogant but but also um they're vain there's vanity there with these tadpoles i think they represent leaders like probably political leaders right they same thing they think they know everything about the world they're in charge like how dare you question blah 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 right but i think it's different than yeah yeah that's it i think they represent sort of the aristocracy for lack of a better term Okay, and as the fish goes down, leaving the tadpoles, um, the next thing that the tadpole, uh, the, the little black fish runs across is uh, both a crab and a lizard. They're kind of hanging out on the uh, on the edge of the the river or the stream, um, and the the crab um, speaks to its dominance over the frogs, which of course the tadpoles become frogs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what does the crab represent? The crab, and when I say dominance, I mean like physical, like violent dominance, no, yeah, like, exactly like, I, like I hunt mm-hmm. these frogs. Mm-hmm. So what's the crab represent? God, I almost think it's like the military or something like that. Like it's the first thing we see in the story other than when like the adult fish try to like, whatever, get the little black fish in the beginning. It's the first thing, the first like commentary really on violence, right? Where we see the crab is like physically confronting the little black fish and talks about how it kills the frogs and like so forth and then the lizard will be the first like actually helpful Mm -hmm. um creature that the little black little black fish runs across the lizard obviously um tries to explain to the little black fish what what the fish is going to find along the way be wary of herons be wary of pelicans be wary of swordfish um and even uh provides the little black fish with a weapon a dagger from blades of grass don't ask me how uh, blades Mm -hmm. of grass are, are crafted into a dagger but um regardless excuse me they are what do you think the lizard, though, like, again, what's the metaphor of the lizard? What does the lizard represent? Like, I mean, all I can think of is, like, it's an ally, right? Someone that tells you what's coming and what to expect and provides, in this case, like, you with something to protect yourself, right? The so, dagger. and So the lizard, but here's the thing. The, the, the key behind the lizard that I really pick up on when I'm, when I'm telling this story to kids um, is that the lizard is an ally, indeed, but it's the first animal that provides warning but does not discourage a Mm -hmm. continuation of the journey right why do you think that's important 
I mean, I think it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, that's why it's important because it's the first animal that doesn't discourage the exploration and the questioning and like defining what's out there. That's why. So the acknowledgement that, that, that the road ahead is dangerous, but as long as you go prepared, mm-hmm. maybe something along those lines, that's the lesson to be and learned. And like it, the lizard provides awareness of the risks. And so at, the fish can now be aware of the risk and make the conscious decision to continue or not. But we know in the story that they do. Now, the lizard being by the river and on the land could also be like representative of knowing like both spheres of mm-hmm. like like the world, right? Or yeah. multiple spheres of the world and kind of understanding all of the dangers Which ahead. It's actually kind of interesting now that I think of that too, yeah. right? That the tadpoles, even though they will eventually become amphibians, right. only have experienced the water at that point in their lives. But even the frog parent was yeah. kind of ignorant as well, right? right? In 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 her vanity, right? And chases mm-hmm. the other fish off, and chases the little black fish off. Uh, why do you, I guess it doesn't even matter. I was going to ask this question. I, I, I wanted to dig deeper into this, but I don't know that we can. Like, why a lizard? Why would the lizard be among the wisest of the creatures? I don't mm-hmm. know that yeah, I, I know yeah, I, I don't even know that I can. Anyway, if you guys are listening, uh, put it in the comments. Why is the lizard the embodiment of wisdom in this case, probably the peak bo- uh, embodiment of wisdom in this story, aside from little black fish uh, mm-hmm. herself. Okay. Anyway, um, the fish continues on the journey and it ends up uh, coming to a river. And in that river, the fish become uh, uh, runs into a different species of fish, more of a schooling fish. Um, and there's a bunch of little ones. And uh, eventually the fish is able to give such a rousing speech and provide such brave actions that these little fish decide they want to follow little blackfish. So little blackfish is little, and then these fish are even littler. Mm-hmm. And they decide to go on, uh, to go on, uh, go alongside little blackfish on her epic journey. And uh, this goes very poorly. It's almost immediately Immediately after they make this choice, they end up in the mouth pouch of a pelican. Um, and the first sign of danger inside this pelican's pouch, he does not eat them at first, and there's a little bit of an exchange between the pelican and the fish that are in his, in, in, in his pouch. But the first sign of danger, these little fish turn on little black fish, right? Like, the, basically, the pelican promises these little fish freedom if they kill little black fish inside the pouch. Uh, and obviously, we already know where this is going. He's going to go back on his word and eat, and really just eat everybody. But, like, why do you think the little black fish turned so quickly on... The little fish turned on little black fish. So this is a stretch, but this is how I've always viewed it, and I like it like this. So even if this isn't true, I don't care. I'm going to pretend that it is. But the little fish represents some form of, like, resistance, right? They are, there's, like you said, they're the school of them, and they get in the fisherman's net and, like, give him trouble, right, is kind of how it's described. I view them as reformists. Mm. Where, like, they are, they resist, but in this very small pocket of, like, the bigger world, right? They provide they antagonize this fisherman right this one person in their little part of the world and they agree to go with the little black fish to their like bigger journey but like you said at the first sign of anything going wrong they immediately turn on the little black fish who in my opinion represents like true revolutionary so if we were going to apply like political terminology, clearly if we're if we're going down the assembly line of radicalism here that the little black fish is undergoing, little black fish is born into I hate to say it, but ignorant conservatism. Mm-hmm. Is that what Barangi's saying? Mm-hmm. So he's born into ignorant conservatism, and then when he runs into the tadpoles, the little black fish. What? Who are the tadpoles I don't in that know. case? I can't really place the tadpoles very well in this. That, this like... this vein, almost like, I don't know if we were even going to use a modern term. Maybe some like sort of like 
I don't know, like everyday vanity, like mm-hmm. individualism, even though they're a group of tadpoles. I want to say like influencers, right? Like yeah. like this is just the way the world is and, mm-hmm. and we're going to exist literally in our pond, in our own like, I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for. What What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to use echo chambers. That's later. But like, yeah, yeah I mean, this own individual like reality, our mm-hmm. own bubble, our own thought yeah. bubble, our own. Okay, so that's the tadpoles. And then we move forward and we've got the crab who is. Oh, um, and the frog makes sense because the frog grew up in that world. And like, so it's sort of like this. So this frog is like a, an ignorant soccer mom. The frog exactly. is Karen. The, the frog adult. is Karen. Yes, that's The good. frog is Karen. The frog is Karen, yeah. Okay, the frog is Karen. It's like the okay. adult, right, person that grew up in the bubble and so forth. Yeah, yeah like literally in some sort of like, you know, suburb somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, oh, God, I was about to say, whatever. Yeah, chai right. teas and yoga and soccer mm-hmm. and mom. And, you know, I don't care. All right, frog's Karen. Cool. Moving forward. Although then, then we can kind of place the lizard if we're going to continue with this. Well, hold like, on. The crab then. Okay. What is the crab? Because the crab then, the crab hunts Karen, which doesn't, Karens don't get hunted in society. No, they don't. Not in our society. Yeah, not in our society. Um, So what is the crab then? I don't know. Violent force? I don't know. Ah, yeah, we can't really place the crab. This metaphor is breaking down here. All right, anyway, (laughs) where's the lizard? I think the lizard is like the old seasoned, I don't want to use the term activist really, but like, more aware right saying like hey just so you know these are the dangers and here's a weapon for you to protect yourself please continue on right maybe part of the intellectual class as well knowing a lot about how the world works Mm -hmm. nod to the lizard okay not truly revolutionary themselves right but willing to aid in the effort or maybe just experienced from past revolution Mm -hmm. right and and didn't i mean well it, the lizard says that it, that it's actually helped little black fish before that have come down the yeah. pond with giving them the tools. So the yeah, maybe it is an educator. The lizard mm-hmm. is the educating class, giving these little black fish the tools, mm-hmm. right, to make change if they so choose. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we get to the schooling fish where we started, you know, where we just kind of left off, and the schooling fish are wannabe um, change makers, but mm-hmm. are really just reformers. Mm-hmm. And reformers that um, kind of show their cowardice upon the first um, setback or example of danger or meeting uh, danger. Mm-hmm. Resistance and yeah. I mean, it's important in the story that their lives are threatened, right? Like it's serious. It's not just like some minimal thing that like, oh my God, there's this tiny obstacle we have to overcome. It's like our lives are in danger and they immediately turn on the little black fish. They aren't willing to go forward with the mission. So why right? do they die? Why do you think Barangi, our author here, chose to let them die anyway? Rather I mean, if we're using this as a revolutionary tale, then it's a warning that A, you must be willing to take it all the way to the end, and B, you can't be a reformer. That's not a thing. Okay. Reform isn't enough, I guess. Reform is definitely not enough. Okay, so then the I mean, next... especially if you're living in Iran under the... Right. right. Well, but I would argue also in well, modern yeah. America as well, reform's not enough. But okay, moving forward. The moon. Mm-hmm. What does the moon represent? So the light, the kindness, um, I don't know, inspiration perhaps. Mm-hmm. What does the moon represent for you? And then uh, obviously the moon eventually is covered up by a black cloud and cannot finish passing on the wisdom. Yeah, that it was... maybe it's like the light, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? It's the light in the darkness that then in the middle of the conversation when the moon is providing light, 
gets covered by more darkness. And even the fish talks about, like, I love your light and wish that you could shine on me all the time and, like, blah, 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 right? Okay. So Little little Black Fish escapes the pelican with the dagger that the lizard had provided. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Little Black Fish's journey doesn't end there, but I guess I would like to ask what you think the pelican represents. What is the Mm -hmm. pelican? So the pelican is obviously some sort of, like, a militancy some sort of enforcement that is mm-hmm. meant to be like personified there whether it be like and it's not secret so it's not like savak or anything along those lines right. but what do you think of the pelican i don't represents? know what the pelican represents but i think that part of the story represents the fact that this is the first time the little black fish resorted to violence to save his own life and successfully in this case but the other fish die the little fish that weren't willing to do so that wouldn't go along with the little black fish died so that you might have to be willing to become more radical if you want to continue to advance on mm-hmm. this journey of liberation. Yep. Okay. So the little black fish escapes the pelican and continues on uh, the journey, eventually ending up in the sea where they meet um, a giant school of fish, a school of fish they'd never seen, like they'd never seen a, a school that big, mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of fish. And they're like, hey, you know, you want to join us and hang out? And he's like, yeah, eventually, but let me explore for a little bit first. And they're like, cool, go do that, then come back to us. What do you think that little exchange was about? I don't know. Because yeah. sometimes a school of fish to me like indicates like group think and all that other yeah, stuff. It might be masses. a critique. It mm-hmm. might be a critique of the unwashed masses and yeah. but but they were nice in the story. They're mm-hmm. they're not painted that way in this story. They're like, go th- learn to think for yourself, then come join us. Why yeah, do you maybe like, that's the value of right, like escaping group think that you can't just uncritically join the group. You must be capable of thinking for yourself and critically analyzing the world around you and all the information that you're being given and so forth. And only then is it valuable for you to join the group. The swordfish comes along, but doesn't play actually a real huge role mm-hmm. in the story at all. It's actually the final like boss, <laughs> the final <laughs> boss that the, the little black fish runs into is the heron and uh, ends up in the heron's beak and uh, eventually is able to sweet talk the heron um, into um, talking basically so mm-hmm. that the beak would open up and then the little black fish could jump out. So she outsmarts the heron, little black fish outsmarts the heron to begin with, but the heron is quick and fast and recaptures little black fish on the way down. Uh, and then rather than make the same mistake again, ends up in, uh, ends up just swallowing little blackfish right away. Little blackfish is able to survive in the stomach of the heron for just a moment, enough to see that there's another fish there, an even smaller fish inside the heron's stomach. They have a brief exchange, and basically the little blackfish hatches a plan to escape, right? It's going to tickle. It's basically going to tickle the uh, the heron's stomach enough to where the heron will basically throw up the other little fish. And so, like, the little black fish is basically like, look, it's going to open up, you jump out, get out. And then the little fish is like, okay, so when after I'm out, how are you going to get out? Like the fit that the heron's not going to fall for this again. And he shows him the dagger still has the dagger <laughs> attached to his fin or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to stab my way out. I'm going to kill this heron. And the plan goes perfectly. Except for once the heron falls like basically out of the air dead and into the water, the little black fish is never heard from again. Mm-hmm. But the escaped little fish, and, and obviously this isn't a spoiler everybody picked up on the, if you just heard me, me tell this story. The little black fish goes on to live, or the, not the little black fish, the other escaped little fish goes on to live a long life and become the grandmother that's telling this story. Mm-hmm. And tells this story to basically her 12,000 children and grandchildren. And out of those 12,000, they all love the story and fell asleep, and that's wonderful. But only one story, one fish, out of those 12,000, now a little red fish, um, took that story to heart and began to like really dream. 
and have dreams of something beyond like the stream. Mm -hmm. And so that dream is basically passed on. So that little part right there, there's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, like, okay, martyrdom. The yeah. celebration and martyrdom for the passing on of the revolutionary ideal. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah, 100%. The little black fish in our story is a martyr, right? Dies. I think it speaks to, like you said, there's so much to unpack there that the little black fish as a revolutionary doesn't live to see the change that will come. Like in their right world makes significant change by killing the heron, but dies in the process. So it becomes a martyr for the change and will never live to see the change that is coming in the future. Then like you explained, right? The fish that escapes, that basically the little black fish saves their life, goes on to tell the story. And then that story then inspires one out of 12,000, in this case, the little red fish to begin to ask questions. So this idea that even through martyrdom, right, it lights the spark that potentially can lead to change in the future. Barangi himself was a martyr. Mm -hmm. Wow, he didn't probably know that, like, none of that was, like, put together as he was yeah. writing this story, but he becomes a martyr mm -hmm. that continues to pass on this story. How important do you think it is in terms of, like, theories of, of liberation, all the various theories that we've talked about on this channel or in our courses, whatever those theories, anarchist theories, socialist theories, communist theories, uh, we've talked about numerous, communalism, mm -hmm. uh, uh, democratic confederalism, but and, and cetera, we, so many different ideas. How important do you think it is in, even upon failure, passing on the ideals of liberation through in this case it's through narrative but it's more mm -hmm. than just narrative narrative is merely like the vehicle yeah i can't think of i'm sure there are but i can't think off the top of my head of any revolution that we teach that doesn't have martyrdom as some part of it involved i think it's key to it's key in two ways in the moment it foments this revolutionary spirit right that's the whole point of martyrdom but then later on it's an important crucial part of the narrative of the revolution in the as it's being told as history in the future right okay so now not as like a sociologist but maybe just a revolutionary thinker as i'm kind of like interviewing you now mm -hmm. <laughs> uh like if you were to tell this story to your kids which this is a kid's story like right. this is the, like it's like you know an iranian the lorax or something like that mm -hmm. there's there there are lessons to be learned here what key lessons would you emphasize telling this as a story to a child oh god the lorax connection is so good um I mean, the first one I always think of whenever we do this is questioning, right? Always question. Question everything. And there's a quote in Latin. I think it's de omnibus dubitandum or something. I think it comes from Kierkegaard, if I remember correctly. And it's question everything. Literal translation, I think, is doubt everything, right? And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time is question everything. Literally take nothing at face value. Ask the questions of why this exists and why this is the way it is and why we behave the way that this is why we think the way that we do and so forth. I mean, which was my motivation for becoming, uh, getting my degree in sociology and becoming a teacher and hopefully inspiring my students to do that. And I definitely do that with my kid as well. I was gonna say kids, but I only have one. <laughs> uh, my daughter as well. And I think that's what I really get from the story is to always question. The second thing is, like clearly there will be people throughout your life that will tell you to don't ask questions, like stop asking questions because it makes them uncomfortable for no other reason than it makes them uncomfortable and clearly don't listen to those people, right? You have to just transcend all of the haters, right? The doubters of like, just stop asking questions. The world is the way it is. You can't possibly change, like so forth, right? Keep asking the questions, keep going through whatever it is, going towards whatever your goal is to achieve, like don't give up, right? 
And there were more haters than helpers along the way. Oh, for, for sure. Which is, and uh, more enforcement, life. at least like three or four forms of enforcers mm-hmm. that Little Blackfish had to overcome, yeah, right? Both like formal, informal, and yeah, right. it runs the game. Pelicans. Sure. I mean, the Pelican was definitely an enforcer, and even like Your Excellency, Your Majesty, let's mm-hmm. like the reformers started kissing their All right. Yeah, there's a lot there. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, that's the Little Blackfish. Find us online. Our website is revolutionandideology.com. We are on Twitter at Rev and Ideology. If you're listening to this on your podcast app, find us on YouTube as well. We have a channel. You can subscribe. Just search Revolution and Ideology. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, leave a comment, and share the video, and uh, share us with your friends. Subscribe to our channel. If you really, really like what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash revolution and ideology. I'm Nick. Never stop questioning. I'm Jared. Later.